Welcome to the Alive Podcast, a place for you to be a part of real life conversations that help you to let go of resistance, believe in your power, and feel less alone with all of the things that come with being human. I'm Michaela, a hypnotherapist and spiritual mentor. And I'm Lindsay, a manifestation coach here to simplify the science behind attracting the life you desire. We both believe that we become who we surround ourselves with, and we want to be here to inspire you to see all that you're capable of, feel seen without judgment, and discover what makes your soul come alive. We're so grateful to have you here with us. So when you're ready, sit back, relax, and get ready to open your heart, expand your mind, and see your life through a brand new perspective. Welcome back to episode four of the Alive podcast with Michaela and Lindsay. Today is a very special episode about our body image journeys where we both open up about our experience growing up and struggling with eating disorders, over-exercising, and memories of some of the heavier moments in our lives. We just want to start off by sharing that ultimately these experiences led us to where we are today, and we are so incredibly grateful for what they taught us. But we want you to know that this episode could be triggering for those who are currently struggling with disordered eating or exercise behaviors. We are not doctors or eating disorder specialists, and we're just sharing our personal stories with the intention to provide insight and support for those who are ready to begin healing. You'll often hear us talking about our body manifestation journey throughout this episode, and we both believe that there's no perfect body out there. There's no one body that everybody should be striving for, but we know intuitively what body makes us feel like ourselves, and you know that for yourself, what your healthiest body would feel like. And it's okay to have a vision for your healthiest body, but that doesn't make your current body wrong or bad. We are all here on earth learning about our preferences in this human experience. And the path to getting closer to your preference is led by loving thoughts, beliefs, and actions, and not through fighting against your current body or your current reality. So please listen to this episode with that in mind, knowing that there is no perfect size, no perfect shape or word to describe the healthiest version of your body. We are just going to be sharing our personal experiences, our visions, and we want you to know that body manifestation is not about obsessing over that vision, but learning that your life is meant for more than restrictive and mind-dominated behaviors. So take a moment to intuitively check in with yourself as to whether or not you're meant to listen to this episode, where you're at on your journey. And if you don't feel ready for it right now, we will be diving into so many other topics to come. But if you're ready, we're going to get started. Welcome back, everyone. We are so excited to have you here with us today for this incredibly powerful episode. As we mentioned in that brief little intro, today's episode is going to be all about body image, how we both have struggled with that throughout our lives. And both Lindsay and I have had our own journeys with coming into a place of self-love and self-acceptance in our bodies. And we've both been through eating disorders and fitness journeys and all different types of diets, ups and downs throughout our lives that have led us to a space of really wanting to find a way to live in harmony with our bodies. And both of us are still currently on this journey, but we felt that this podcast would be really important because it's something that so many of us can relate to. And so many of us are just looking for freedom in this area. And I want to start off by just hearing Lindsay's story because she has gone through like competitions and she's done like bodybuilding and she's been a personal trainer before. And now 
the way that she lives is so inspiring. And I think it's really beautiful to hear someone who was so extreme in one way and now has found a beautiful balance in her life. Mm, that was such a good intro. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm, yeah, I'm really excited to share on this topic. Just, you know, you and I have had such parallel experiences when it comes to like our bodies and what we've gone through. And um, mine, I, it started out when I was, God, I think I was 15 years old and I had just gone through a breakup from my first boyfriend. And I remember if you guys have gone through breakups, it's like devastating your first one. Like I couldn't, I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. Every single thing just made me want to cry. And, and because of the breakup, I ended up losing a bunch of weight. And I remember people would come up to me and be like, Oh my God, you look so good. What are you mm-hmm. doing? You look amazing. And I was like, Ooh, I'm, I'm starting to get attention that I wasn't getting before. And something just felt really good about that. And all of that turned into uh, about a six, seven year battle with anorexia. And I just wanted to maintain being thin. And I got really attached to that being my identity and my value and why people wanted to be with me. And so I was eating like a hundred calories a day, maybe for like seven years And, uh, it got really, really bad. I got down to a extremely low weight that pretty much triggered my, a lot of my organs to start, start shutting down. My body was like, basically I lost my period, all the things. And I remember my mom, um, walking in when I was on the scale at one point in in the bathroom and she was like, Oh my, like, Oh my God, you got to stop. I just remember her crying. And at that moment I realized like I was on a path to kill myself basically, because I think it really stemmed from just wanting to disappear. Like mm-hmm. deep down, I really just wanted to be invisible. I wanted to disappear. And um, when I when I realized what I was doing, I decided in that moment to try to commit to doing it in a healthier way. And that's when I started um, getting into personal training and I started doing like beach body. And I started realizing that I could eat and also like have a physique that I wanted an appearance that I wanted. And that turned extreme. And then I started wanting to compete and I did, um, MPC, which is the national physique committee. I did bikini competitions. I like, I brought my body to this like peak performance level. And I realized all I had done was basically subbed out one thing for another obsession and addiction. And it just, you know, it started this really unhealthy. Um, I just, I just always had a really unhealthy relationship with food. And you, I'm sure you can relate to that. It's like, it just controls your life and every thought and every calorie and, you know, going out to eat food is, is everywhere. And so it just, it was like extreme control. And that's really what I was latching onto. Um, but it ended up being super toxic. And because of all of that, after the competitions, I swung the other way and I gained all this weight back. Um, cause those of you that have competed, you probably know, like your body goes through, uh, metabolism shift after competition and everything you eat, you just, it's like you put it right back on. And then I started to feel really insecure about my body. And it's up until probably two, I would say maybe two or three years ago was when I've really found freedom with like food and my body and the awareness of body manifestation and the thoughts and all that um, has really helped change my relationship with food, my body. Yeah. I feel like the obsession that we take on about food and fitness is really a way to distract ourselves from whatever else is going on underneath the surface. I know 
for me when I was struggling with binge eating, kind of the opposite of what Lindsay was going through, it was also a way for me to just numb out, to zone into something that wasn't, didn't have anything to do with what I was feeling and just distract myself. And I think that food and fitness can be a really easy way for us to do that because it's something that is all consuming. You can think about it throughout every second of the day because our days typically revolve around like, what are we going to eat? How are we going to move? And I know for me, that was just like, it took me away from every other problem that I was having. And the only thoughts that I would have throughout the day, the first thing I would think about in the morning was, okay, like, how can I eat less today? How can I restrict myself more today? How can I be a little bit better today? And I would obsess about that all day, inevitably to the point where I wouldn't be able to do that. And I would end up self-sabotaging. And then my thoughts would be, if I could just stop eating this, then everything would be better. And you start to believe that all of your problems are going to be solved. If you could just be a little bit more disciplined, if you could just focus a little bit more, and it's a really easy trap to get into because it's one that feels more comfortable than having to address the reason why you're doing that. Oh my gosh. It's, yeah. It's so true. It's I, And I remember having thoughts where I'd look at myself in the mirror and I would like grab my thighs and I like, I was so mean to myself and I was yeah. so mean to my body. And I remember like even competition weight. I was, I mean, I think I was like between seven and 10% body fat during my competing years. And I would still look at myself and yeah. like, you are huge. And body dysmorphia is it's like one of those things that just distorts your entire perception of yourself mm -hmm. because it's all in your mind. Like you just have this belief that you are this way, that you are fat and you're this and you're not good enough. And I remember I would just have these horrible, horrific dialogues within my mind about myself. Yeah. I couldn't even walk past a mirror without being just disgusted with my body and wanting to punish myself. And my way of punishing myself would be to starve myself. Well, you don't get food. Yeah. And yeah. it was a horrible way to live. Definitely. And it's like all of these beliefs that we have around the way that our bodies should look growing up, like even identifying like being fat as a bad thing is mm -hmm. these are all beliefs that we created and that we've been ingrained with that aren't actually true. So we grow up thinking that our bodies should look a certain way. And because we feel the need to prove ourselves, because we feel the need to do whatever we can to be lovable and to be beautiful in the eyes of the people around us, we become obsessed with that. And I think for me, that was my way of trying to be lovable, trying to be something that was seen as beautiful or someone that somebody could want. And so when you're drilled with all those beliefs at such a young age, it becomes this really simple thing to start working towards, right? Like if I can just change my body to be the way that everybody says is beautiful, then mm. I can be accepted. And I, I think it's, there's something that feels really good about feeling like there's a path to being able to control that, being able to control how other people can see you because really an eating disorder or addiction to fitness or anything like that is all about the control that it gives you and the relief mm -hmm. that comes with feeling like you have things under control. Well, yeah. And you can't take this away from me. Yep. This is, this is my construction. This is 
my doing. This is, you know, and no one can take that from me. Nobody can choose what I put in my body. Like that's my, that's mine. Yeah. And I think like growing up, whatever you've witnessed too, like if your mom or your dad had issues with food or eating or had really strict rules around it, like we just, uh, we absorb all of that. You know, and I I love my mom to death, but I I remember just seeing her as a kid pick herself apart, look in the mirror and like, you know, call herself names. And then you start to realize like, well, if that's not okay, not okay for her to look like that, then I sure can't look like that. Otherwise I'm going to be rejected. You know, I'm not going to be good enough. It starts young. TV commercials, like we're literally being sold all these products to reinforce the fact that as we are is not enough. And diet culture was so normalized for me growing up. And I'm sure it was even more normalized when you were growing up. But I know yeah. for me, like low carb, low calorie, just like counting absolutely everything was the way to go. And my family was really big into low carb growing up. And I, you know, just witnessed nobody was eating bread on their sandwiches. <laughs> nobody was eating French fries or anything like that. Mm-hmm. There was always like substitutions and I started to observe that from a young age of like witnessing which foods were bad and which foods were good. And I think it really just gave me this deep fear of, am I going to mess this up? And I got so overwhelmed Mm -hmm. that I just went the opposite direction. I just decided I wasn't going to listen to any food rules, but I also wasn't going to listen to what my body was needing. I was just going to completely like forget about all of that. And I think all of the emotions that I was feeling at a young age I didn't know how to address and I just wanted to feel good again. So food for me was the source of pleasure and I didn't have pleasure anywhere else in my life at the time. My binge eating disorder started when I was around 10 or 11 years old. And this is when I started to like go through puberty and my body was changing and I was in a dance class. And I just remember like looking at my body and feeling like my body wasn't developing in the same way as the other girls and really just starting to hate myself so much because I didn't look like everybody else. And instead of like restricting myself at that time, I just would numb myself out by eating and just, it was almost like this self-hatred that I had that led to this behavior of, well, whatever, I'm just going to sabotage myself anyways. And it was the only thing that I could look forward to at that time, because once my body changed, I couldn't take those dance classes anymore. I couldn't take looking at myself in the mirror anymore and just comparing myself to everybody else. So actually at that age, I ended up quitting everything that like used to bring me joy. And I think that's a really huge piece about binge eating is that when your life starts to feel empty and when you start to feel like things are missing from your life, you don't feel like you really have a purpose. You don't feel like anything brings you joy. Maybe you don't feel like you have a lot of friends or people that you can open up to people that you can be yourself around. Food for me became my only resource of joy and comfort and safety. And I remember just like feeling like I just needed it. It was the only thing that I thought about every single day. And kind of like you, that didn't change until I had had enough of certain comments that I would receive about my body. And I eventually just decided I'm just not going to eat anymore. And that took me like 10 years to get to that place. And that's when like a whole different type of eating disorder started. So I think there are different types of eating disorders that happen based off of like 
different emotions. One emotion is finally like wanting to get your life under control and be hard on yourself and finally like push yourself into looking the way that you think you're supposed to look. And the other is like this severe feeling of emptiness and literally wanting to feed yourself with something and not recognizing that you're wanting to actually feed yourself with a purpose. You're wanting to feed yourself with things that light you up, but you don't know that. And so you just look to the one thing that you know, that does give you pleasure. Mm, That's a huge realization to have Mm -hmm. about, you know, why you're doing what you're doing. And I can so relate to that. It's like, number one, I know this thing gives me pleasure, but number two, I'm not allowing myself. Like I'm going to restrict myself from that, which goes back to a deep belief that I don't, I don't deserve pleasure. Yeah. I don't deserve to enjoy my life. And I think like such an important piece here that we kind of talked about was like how much all of this relates back to self-love because what we're doing is detrimental to our own selves and to really be able to take a separate and kind of external look at this and say, why am I doing this to myself? You know, why am I harming myself? Oh, because I have these core beliefs within me that this behavior helps me to cope with that. You know, and, and just, if you, if you struggle with an eating disorder, if you've got, you know, like these issues around food, it's like taking the first step to just be inquisitive, like to really understand it as its own thing and without judgment for yourself, but to realize like, this is a, this is a coping mechanism that you've developed. And when you can have these questions within yourself, like you have to understand why the behavior, why you're choosing this behavior, why this is occurring for you, you are so empowered. Yeah. It really changes everything when you can start to just zoom out and recognize that your attachment to like food restriction or this uncontrollable need that you might have to binge on food. It's all coming from this desire within you that isn't actually about food. Food is just a cover up because Mm. what you might be yearning for is something that you haven't really yet explored in yourself yet. And maybe it's bringing compassion and love to certain feelings of shame or anger or sadness within you that you haven't yet addressed. Or maybe it's something that is missing in your life that you haven't given yourself permission to explore. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, sometimes the weight that we carry on our body from like a metaphysical standpoint is emotional weight. I see a lot of people that like, you know, they're wanting to lose weight or they're wanting to, um, tone or lean out or whatever. And it's not like, if we can separate the fact that it's diet and exercise strictly, which gets us there. I think that it's actually a lot more mental and emotional than it is about diet and exercise. Yep. I think the diet and the exercise becomes a byproduct of the love that you feel for yourself. And you start to do those things from a place of like, I work out because it feels good to move my body, not because I hate myself and I need to burn off calories so that I can go to bed at night feeling like I did enough. It's a completely different intention that I think you you find this place of like, I'm going to eat these foods. I'm going to nourish my body because it feels good. It gives me energy rather than I'm going to restrict these things because I'm not deserving. Yeah. So- I feel like your story around struggling with anorexia and then moving into these fitness competitions, that was so intense and so severe. And 
I can imagine that breaking out of that must have been really challenging for you. So what what would you say was the catalyst in finally deciding I don't want to live this way anymore? Yeah, I was it was exhausting. Like after years of training, I mean, I would spend 2-3 hours in the gym doing cardio. I would track every single calorie, every single macro. I couldn't go out to dinner with friends without having to order like a chicken breast. I couldn't really travel. There was just so much limiting me in my life having to live this way. And then I also just started to realize that it was becoming an attachment, a really unhealthy attachment to my body that was not sustainable. Um, And I wanted to have more balance. So I started, this is where I started to kind of dive more into intuitive eating and listening to my body and uh, really understanding like how my thoughts were affecting my body. And that's when I actually created a whole course called body manifestation that was derived from this because I wanted, like you said in the beginning, I want to have more freedom. I didn't want to be in my head all the time thinking about workouts and food. It was just, there, it was no way to live. I felt like I was in a prison mm-hmm. that I had created for myself. So it was hard seeing my body change. I had to really address some deep self-worth stuff and it was painful. I felt like I, like people didn't look at me, like I wasn't as pretty. It was just all those things had to kind of come to the surface for me. Mm-hmm. And then once I started actually doing intuitive eating, I realized I didn't have to restrict myself to have a body that I felt good in. In fact, the more I would listen to my body, the more I would feel it would respond in a positive way that didn't entail counting every single calorie and working out for three hours a day. I shortened it to like 20, 30 minute workouts that felt good. I was really connecting my mind to my muscle, my mind to my body, using my breath. It became a very cathartic experience. Instead of hating myself, I started to realize how it felt to do all those things with love. Yeah. You know, eating with love, working out with love, having balance, allowing myself to have a glass of wine here and there really just getting rid of this kind of black and white mentality that a lot of us have around our, our weight, you know, and our bodies and diet and all that stuff. So what would you say to somebody who is in that space where maybe they're still counting calories, still feeling the need to work out really intensely and in this place of restriction, wanting that freedom, but they're too afraid that if they let go of that control, that their body isn't going to look the way that they want it to, and that everything is going to fall apart for them. And, you know, I, I feel like I was in this space for a while where I would rather be slightly miserable and in control than let that all go and Mm -hmm. potentially have freedom in my mind, but not really feel at home in my body. Yeah. I think it's, again, goes back to doing things slowly Mm -hmm. and looking for more balance instead of restriction. Um, I think that as you're moving into having more freedom, it's really about adding things in. So add in maybe some, you know, breath work or add in, you know, foods that are, you normally wouldn't eat or let yourself eat and just have a little bit until it's like building trust. Yeah. Right. It's like building trust with the process, but also realize how your thoughts affect what you're eating and how it metabolizes in your body. So if you're eating a piece of cake and you're like, oh my God, this is terrible for me. This is, I hear people all the time. I just look at cake and I gain weight. I just look at food and I gain weight, or this is going to go straight to my hips or whatever. It's like, you have to understand the connection between what you're saying and how that's going to 
metabolize in your body too. I would say become more conscious of the thoughts that you have about food and the thoughts you have about your body and do a little bit of inquisition there first. Yeah. And I would say check in with those belief systems, check in with the mindset aspect first. And then when you get your mindset clear, then you can start to take different action. Yeah. But I would say before you do the action piece of changing all of this or doing anything, I would get in touch with yourself and really ask those pivotal questions of why am I doing this? What is my intention behind doing this? What are my thoughts about my body? What are my thoughts about food? And what would be my ideal reality around this? How do I want to feel with food? What's the relationship that I want to have with that? And most importantly, what's my relationship with my body and what, it, what do I want that to look like? Because with anything you're manifesting, you have to actually identify what it is that you want. Yep. What do you want your life to look like around food and around your body? And really getting clear with yourself too. Like there are so many things that we believe just to be the ultimate truth about the way that our bodies work and the way that fitness works and the way that, you know, food is taken in by our bodies. And you have to understand that all of that can be changed with intention and with practice. I know for me growing up, I would say all the time, I just have a slow metabolism. It just runs in my family. Everybody in my family struggles with their weight. And that is something that I have changed. And I, I want to share this because I would never have believed that I could have been somebody that was like, oh yeah, I just like naturally have a fast metabolism. I just eat whatever I want and I'm totally fine. That was mind blowing to me that I was able to shift into that reality, to shift into that belief, and then to be able to maintain that. And I'm not saying that I don't struggle with that belief sometimes and that I don't have my ups and downs, but for the most part, just because I know and fully believe that my beliefs create my reality, I have been able to continuously lean into the identity of somebody who can eat whatever they want and practice that over and over again, because that's how I want to live. I want to mm -hmm. live as somebody with freedom and my whole life, the belief that I have a slow metabolism felt so limiting, felt so restricting. It felt so unfair that I grew up around all of these friends who could eat whatever they wanted all the time. And I was the one struggling and wearing the largest size in every store that we went into and crying in every dressing room. And I didn't understand why my life had to be that way. It felt so unfair. And I wanted that to change and I allowed it to change in my life. And I just mm -hmm. want to share that story because there might be certain beliefs that you are really gripping onto that you believe to be the truth about the way that your body works. And this is a point where you can challenge that and think of a way that you could live that would feel more expansive than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's like you, you really get to the root of why it's, why is that serving you to hold on to that belief? Yeah. Why? I mean, we know everything is thought because I mean, there was that research done I don't know if you want to share that because I know you were just <laughs> sharing about this with the, the maids at the hotel. Mm -hmm. So cool. Yeah, it was a study done by Harvard where there were these maids working in a hotel and they didn't really believe that they were getting enough exercise every single day. They were just working and they were all at a certain weight when they started. And then they put these monitors on them to measure how many calories they were burning every single day, how much 
movement they were actually doing. And once the maids started to realize that they were burning a lot of calories by cleaning, and once they they started to really internalize that belief of, oh, this is how much I'm moving every single day, all of them started to lose weight. Mm -hmm. Directly connected to what you think, what you believe, right? If you're, and I, I think that's the other thing that I, I got out of competition. My competition experience is like thinking that the only way to that physique was through doing cardio and eating, you know, really, really strict diet. And so that was my reality because that was my belief. Mm -hmm. In order for that to change, I had to shift my own perception of this and to be like, I'm doing enough. Yeah. 30 minutes in a day of movement is enough. Listening to when my body is hungry and when my body is full, that's enough. Just listening to yourself, right? Yeah. The belief that it has to be challenging to be effective is literally the most limiting belief that so many of us hold. We hold it around money. We hold it mm. around what we do for work, around food. We hold it around exercise. And that is not the ultimate truth of this existence. If you cling on to that truth and you tell yourself that every day, the only way that you're making positive changes is through the work that feels really hard for you, then that's going to be your reality. But if you can start to understand that when it comes to your body and your relationship with your body, your body is so wise. Your body really does know what it needs. And you can literally communicate to your body what you want it to look like through visualization and then ask your body to be your guide. So this is something that I would really suggest for anyone who is wanting to get out of that regimented gym schedule where they're doing lots of HIIT workouts, where they're, where you just feel like you're kind of dreading going to the gym. I know sometimes it can feel right to do intense workouts like that. And absolutely listen to that if that feels right for you. But for the most part, for me, I've realized that my body doesn't really need that. And my body doesn't really enjoy being pushed so hard that I have to like dissociate from my body in order to get through it. Mm -hmm. My body really enjoys slow, intentional movement most of the time and things that are fun. So I would just challenge you to start moving your body every single day, just intuitively, like maybe taking five minutes in the morning, just to kind of like move your arms and move your torso, move your hips, and just start to ask your body to lead you through what it's needing. And you can do that throughout your workouts. I know for me, jumping on a rebounder, a little mini trampoline has been so fun and has felt so right in my body that just showed me oh my God, movement can be so fun and so healing and so good for you. And so I would just, if you're in the transition of a really regimented fitness routine, I would start to maybe challenge yourself to do one or two days a week where you do intuitive movement instead and just start to see and notice how your body responds to that. Yeah, no, I love that. That I used to do that too. It's just like dance, like put on some music and dance and let your body move. And it's like, we have to reframe our, definition of exercise too. It's like, yeah. it doesn't have to mean going to the gym. It doesn't have to mean all these things that we've put exercise. It's just think about moving your body. Like, how does my, like you said, how does my body want to move today? Maybe you just go for a walk. Maybe you dance. Maybe it doesn't have to be going to the gym. Like give yourself permission just to move in whatever way feels good to you. But like with anything, it's, it is listening to yourself. It's checking in with yourself. It's being intentional with what you're doing regardless of what you're doing, I notice a huge difference 
when I go into my workouts with the intention of being present in my body and listening and connecting my mind to my muscle, I get so much more out of it mm-hmm. rather than just like, oh, I got to go check a box of doing this thing. Yeah. I I feel like the way that our bodies operate it's kind of like a little machine and mm-hmm. a lot of us are trying to operate the machine backwards. So we're trying to use our mind to dominate our bodies and like, okay, my mind is thinking that we need to do this to achieve this goal. So I'm going to force my body to do that in order to get my body to cooperate with me. And if you can really understand that your soul is always directly communicating with you through your body, your body has the wisdom of your soul. And so if you're listening to what your body wants and letting your mind be led by that, you're actually letting the machine operate in harmony. And from this space within you that really actually knows what's best for you, your soul knows what your healthiest body looks like. Your soul Mm. knows what your healthiest body feels like, and your body knows how to get you there. It's your mind that is creating the resistance to that and going against what your body is needing and therefore making these results way more challenging than they need to be. Yeah, sure. It's like, I don't know why, but this brought up like the thought for me of when, when you ask people like what, maybe what they want to do, if they could do anything that they wanted to do, sit on the couch and eat and just watch Netflix. It's like, (laughs) I really, I really challenge that because I think that ultimately what I realized in my life is when I was happy and when I had purpose, I wasn't thinking about food and I wasn't thinking about my body as much. Yep. Like it didn't matter to me as much those factors when I was genuinely happy and doing what I loved. And ironically enough, that's when my body just started to like be the way that I wanted it to be because I stopped thinking about it. It's like you said, I stopped resisting Yeah. and just kind of allowing for that. It's like, if you can get rid of those intrusive everyday obsessive thoughts about your body even for just like a week give yourself a break if you ever notice people go on vacation they end up sometimes losing weight because you're not thinking about it you're not sitting there obsessing looking in the mirror you're distraught you're happy it's happiness I think it's like you don't really want the chocolate chip cookie you're just lonely and you're just sad and you think that you want that but ultimately you just are sad and there's something else underneath that yeah And it's really going back to all of this is self-awareness. How would you suggest somebody starts to address the feelings underneath those urges? No. So notice when you do it, you tend to go like reach for food for some people. It's like right before bed or, or whatever. So just notice when you're doing, like when you're going in the direction of that and take a pause, give yourself just five minutes. This isn't to say don't go have the cookie or don't go do the thing, but just give yourself five minutes and just stop and really go, what am I truly craving right now? What is it that I'm, I'm really craving and start to ask yourself those questions before you go do the thing. And I have found, I've worked with people that have struggled with eating disorders, myself included, that if you just kind of stop and you just pause and you really connect, you can connect with the emotion underneath that, that's driving the action and you can soothe yourself. And then once you do that, you can ask yourself, do I still want this? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then go from that place. Yeah. And I think the thing you said about people believing that they would just want to like lay down and watch Netflix and eat whatever they want, if they give themselves a little bit more leniency around food and 
like if but you really truly told yourself that you could do whatever you wanted, you might have a period of time where you go in the complete opposite direction of restriction and control. You might have a period of time where you do lay on the couch and you watch Netflix all day and you don't really do anything, but then you're going to have this internal feeling of this actually doesn't feel good. This actually doesn't feel like it's serving me or what I really want to spend all of my time doing. It's the complete opposite of the control and restriction and perfectionism that I was in before. And so maybe that's why I had to go all the way this way, but there's a space in the middle of that. Mm -hmm. And that is where you find freedom because Mm -hmm. It's this internal pull to do something that makes you feel good. It's not mind dominated. It's your body speaking to you saying, Hey, like we need to move today. We don't, this doesn't feel good. My mind Mm -hmm. is foggy. I feel lethargic. I don't feel like I'm taking great care of myself and it's not mind dominated. It's just this inner need to do something like that. And I think sometimes we have to let ourselves go all the way in one direction before we can start to see that anything that is out of balance isn't what our soul is actually wanting. And how can we like bring ourselves back into balance in a way that feels joyful in a way that feels freeing. And it's the same thing with food. When it comes to intuitive eating, I know a lot of people hear that and they're like, I don't even know how to be intuitive with my eating. I've been so mind dominated, so restricted for so long. And I remember feeling that way. My mom would always just tell me, just breathe and listen to your intuition about how much you want. And I had been in this pattern of restriction for so long that like, if I didn't forcibly control myself around food, I would just like eat it all. And I had to go through that for a little bit before I could realize, oh, this isn't what I actually want. This isn't what my body is actually guiding me towards. This is just me rebelling against all of the Mm -hmm. restriction before. And so I think that when it comes to intuitive eating and intuitive movement, it can feel really challenging to go from that restriction to straight to the balance you might just have to let yourself rebel for a little bit and breathe through that and know that you're going to be okay and know that that experience is what's going to help you recognize that there is a balance between the two and you're going to find that. Mm -hmm. That polarity. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's true. It's like trusting your body again. Like how do you intuitively listen? Like uh, obviously the voice is going to be quiet of the body if you haven't listened to it for so long and you've essentially just abandoned its needs So you have to reestablish that relationship with your body again. So don't expect it to just be like an immediate thing that it's going to be, it's going to take a little bit of time to build that trust with yourself and for those thoughts to kind of go away. Like, oh my God, if I let go of control, like my body is going to blow up. It's like one of the things you can start to do is work with permission slips. So like most of us have permission slips in our mind about what it's going to take to achieve a certain result. And if you can create and work within a a permission slip for yourself, which can look like, you know what, I'm going to move 20 minutes a day and I'm just going to add in healthier foods. And I'm going to allow that to be enough to start to see and feel the changes within my body. It's like you just creating those permission slips for yourself will help you in getting the result you want. Yeah. And I think it can be hard to create those permission slips 
when you're in this place of needing that like mind dominated control restriction, like when you're still in that self-sabotaging place of, I don't like myself. So that's why I have to do that your permission slips aren't going to feel good to you. So that's why we talk about self-love kind of being the basis of all of this, because when you create those permission slips out of self-love, there's this deeper internal motivation to commit to those things because they feel good, because you love yourself, and because you are letting yourself fully believe that doing this is going to make you feel your best. Mm. And you feel worthy of feeling your best because you love yourself. Amen. (laughs) summed it up. (laughs) That's the point. It is. It's it's loving yourself. But I didn't even know, to be honest, I didn't even know what the hell that meant. I know. I I say that. I'm like, it can sound so fluffy sometimes. And like, Like, uh, people people just want to like run away when you start to talk about self-love. So how can we like bring self-love down to earth? I mean, it is, it is the things like, you know, getting a massage, taking care of your physical body, feel good and they feel loving. But I think the ultimate self-love is just authenticity. Really like just truly getting to know yourself and allowing yourself to be who you are. That is the most ultimate, like think about that. You're, you're no longer rejecting yourself. You're no longer making yourself bad or wrong. You're not hating parts of yourself. So therefore you're not going to have destructive behaviors to reflect mm-hmm. how you feel about yourself. So you have to just really connect with and accept every single aspect and part of you, even the parts that you hate, you don't like, all of that you have to integrate. And then you're going to do things that are loving and supportive to yourself. I think it first starts within though. Yeah. I'm seeing this pendulum, right? You're here in the restriction and the over-exercising and that feels really safe to you. And you feel like if you let it go, you're going to go all the way to the other end of the pendulum and you're going to completely lose control and you're going to lay on your couch and eat snacks all day. If you can love yourself in that space and if you can say, you know what, here I am, I've let go of control and now my inner child, this is a young part of you, is rebelling and they are upset that they haven't been heard and listened to this whole time. And if you can see this part of you that just wants to lay on the couch and eat snacks and just overindulge as this inner child part that has felt so neglected, you can sit there with yourself and say, I love you. I embrace you for where we're at right now. I am, I embrace myself and I'm going to fully accept that I had to go all the way to this other end of the pendulum in order to come and get my inner child again and guide my inner child to a space where we can move forward together in unison, holding each other's hands, saying we're going to do this together and Mm -hmm. we're going to do it from a place of wanting to love ourselves again and wanting to unlearn every single belief that led us to this place. Mm, Yeah, that's the healing. It is ultimately the healing. It's all of this is really just about that, bringing that inner child back into to wholeness and being the parent that yeah. you maybe never had um, and reinforcing positive beliefs about yourself and thoughts about yourself that you can be loved in every single piece and part of who you are. Yeah. And most importantly, it's it's about finding that love for yourself. That that's the hardest part, but that's when everything changes. It is. It's when everything changes. Like the doors open. Like we're we're reflected back this love that we feel within ourselves. Think about an unconditionally loving parent. 
they're not going to be the one that's yelling at you, telling you, you have to get your ass to the gym. You look ugly mm-hmm. today. Like that's not what an unconditionally loving parent would say. And you can really ask yourself if I received the love that I needed growing up, what would that look like? And then you give that to yourself and you say, I know for me, it would look like this divine balance of masculine and feminine energy of loving structure, loving discipline, but explaining why that discipline is important and guiding yourself to want to go there instead of feeling forced and feeling like you don't have a choice. Yeah. So the balance that you're talking about is really more about the balance of the masculine and the feminine side Mm -hmm. of yourself. So what is it, what would you say it looks like if you're more in the masculine energy around this, what would that look like? And then what does it look like to be in the feminine? Yeah, I think that the masculine energy that I was in before was a very toxic masculine energy. And I don't believe that all masculine energy is toxic. Like I said, the balance is really important, but Toxic masculine energy is very mind-dominated, very controlling, very fear-based, and it feels very restrictive. It it is literally that belief that it has to be hard in order for you to get what you want, and that it's it's like glorifying misery to get what you want. So good, yeah. So in that energy, nothing is balanced. Every day feels like a struggle. You you wake up just wondering, when is this going to be over? Like climbing a mountain. Yeah. Why do I have to live this way? You wake up miserable. You're like, oh, Mm. another day where I have to go to the gym. I have to work this job. I have to do X, Y, and Z. And then I'm exhausted at the end of the day. And I don't like my life. I'm not having fun. And I think that was like the big catalyst for me of not wanting to be so regimented with the gym and so regimented with my food is I decided I wanted my life to be fun. I wanted my life to be joyful. I didn't want to wake up and feel like I had to strategize and figure all of this out in order to get what I want, because that's just this never ending chase. And Mm -hmm. you never get to a space where you feel secure and what you've gotten. Like you said, when you were at that competition, you didn't even know how you looked. You Mm -hmm. didn't even give yourself that space to be like, oh, I look amazing. Now I can relax. It was just a constant chase. And eventually, again, there's a rebellion there. So I think most of us, when we've lived years in that toxic masculine energy and we decide, okay, I want to start embracing my feminine energy. This was me two years ago. I had to stop going to the gym because I was experiencing a lot of dizziness. And so my body was literally saying, we're not doing this anymore. And Mm -hmm. I did not want to listen. Um, it was after I had already had the intuition that I should probably not feel the need to go to the gym five days a week and work out so intensely. But I ignored that because I was really loving the control. And so my body started talking, I started to get dizzy and I was like, okay, I feel like now I need to start listening before this gets worse. And, um, so I was really thrown into moving more intuitively, being more feminine. And I think I got into this space with my feminine energy where I needed to go there to heal. I needed to be in this space of relaxing and like softness and no pressure. Like I didn't pressure myself to even like move at all Mm -hmm. throughout the day. I, I would often move, but Um, I eventually got to a place where I was, I think in my toxic feminine energy of no balance of discipline, no balance of 
and there's an aspect to feminine energy that is really strong and intuitive and loving. And I wasn't really embracing that. I was more so like just tired from Mm. the years of being on the other end. So where I find myself today is wanting that balance of divine masculine and divine feminine energy and divine masculine energy is this really safe, loving sense of protection, discipline, guidance. Like I've got you and I'm going to show you how good we can feel, how balanced Mm -hmm. we can feel. And it's going to come from a place of, of this like gentle guidance rather than this like forceful you need to be doing this or else it it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel threatening. It doesn't feel scary. It feels like I'm being carried by that. And so I'm, I'm learning that right now. And it's really been a beautiful experience to come back into the middle because going too far in either direction didn't feel healthy. Yeah. Like I love that the way you put that, it's like having a loving father and a loving mother Mm -hmm. and so balanced and But it is, it's like, we do kind of have to swing both of the ways to realize it's not this or that it's this and that. Yes. And like bringing those together, like that's the sweet spot for everything. I think in life, it's a dance. You can't get to those divine energies again without that self-love. So I I think self-love is something that you really taught me about and something that I've grown a lot in since working with you. So I would love to hear your perspective on how to begin a self-love practice. You, you taught me so much about self-worth and self-love that just completely changed my life. So I think it would be really valuable for people to understand that. Yeah. I think we're taught, you know, when you think of like a newborn baby that comes out fresh and new, you're not like, Oh, Hey baby, you need to prove yourself to the world. <laughs> it's No, we're innate. There's like an innate worthiness to that newborn baby and that essence that when somewhere along the line, we lose that and we think that we are not worthy and there's things that we have to prove and there's things that we have to do. And it's really returning back to that, that knowing that certainty within you, that if you weren't worthy, you wouldn't be here. You're just worthy. You're worthy the way that you are. And one of the biggest pieces for me to learn to love myself was working with my shadow. So it's the shadow is essentially the aspects of yourself that you've disowned. You think they're bad. You think they're wrong. You don't want to show them to the world. And we kind of tuck them away in the back of our psyche. And when you can go to that place of accepting that shadow part of you and loving that part of yourself, I think that's really where the integration work is. And that's really where we find that sense of like wholeness within ourselves. And it's a lot of it too has to do with, with our self-talk and what we're saying to ourselves, what we're saying about ourselves internally and beginning to adopt this belief that, you know what? I am worthy. I am enough. I am beautiful. And saying these things to yourself on repeat and really starting to connect with that feeling of what that feels like, what would it feel like to you to not have to prove yourself? What would it feel like? to you to just be enough, to just be worthy the way that you are and tap into that feeling, you know, tap into the feeling of what that, what, what that would be like. Cause that is the truth. Yeah. And asking yourself those questions, like what about me right now do I see as unworthy mm. and why do I feel that way? Where is that belief coming from? Because it does not belong to you. Right. You think that these beliefs belong to you, that you think that they're serving you in some way. You think that they're guiding you or protecting you. And mm. all they're doing is leading you to self-sabotaging behaviors. 
Yeah. I mean, literally grab your journal right now. If you struggle with worthiness and just go, what makes me unworthy? What is it that makes me unworthy? And immediately these, these thoughts will come in your head. It's like, well, well, I didn't have a dad growing up. We didn't grow up with a lot of money or, you know, I grew up as the, whatever your fill in the blank is. That's, that's the block for you. Yeah. That's the unworthiness block. Yeah. And that I actually spent a lot of time last year working on this after the, the breakup of my engagement that triggered a lot of unworthiness. And this is the work that I really dove into. It's like, why am I choosing to believe that? Like who says that? Who gets to decide my worth? Right. Who gets to decide your worth? Why are you giving them the keys? Yeah. There's an importance that you've put on that. And this is taking your power back. And what would you say to someone who really feels like so weighed down by all of those beliefs and is struggling to find that space of self-love within them and like that small little inkling, like maybe I am worthy. Where would you suggest they start? You know, I would say doing a lot of like visualizations and meditations and connecting with that part of yourself that's already worthy and really basking in the energy of that and tapping into your life as a worthy person. What does that look like for you? What are you doing? What's different? Um, how do you feel? And and just feeling more of that energetic energetically within your body. It's a mm-hmm. state of being that you want to shift yourself into because when we or when we're connecting with a vision and a feeling, we're conditioning the body into a state of being. And this is where all magnetism comes from. So the more that you're able to feel this within you, and that might look like going back and doing some revisioning work around your childhood. Um, I know doing NLP techniques like timeline therapy has been huge for me to heal that. And what that kind of looks like is, as you're doing this, you know, what makes me unworthy exercise, you're going to come up with memories. You're going to come up with these moments where that's where it, it clicked. That's where the belief was formulated within you that said, I'm not worthy. I'm ugly. I'm this, whatever your belief is going back into that experience and really giving yourself what you needed in that moment. And then not not only that, but zooming out and looking at it from maybe a different perspective and asking yourself, is this the only perspective to take here? Like for instance, let's say you had a piece of art that you went and showed your mom when you were little and she grabbed it and she's like, what is this garbage? This is ridiculous. In that moment, you formed a belief that I'm not a good artist. I'm not good enough. So we just, we took that back away And that when you go back into that memory, you know, maybe your mom was just having a bad day or maybe she, whatever, like you can have a new perception of that. That isn't anything to do with your worthiness. Yeah. So you can kind of disprove that you're giving yourself what you need, but you're also shifting the perspective of the experience. And then you go back in your mind right before the event and you play out a new memory. You play out a whole new imaginative experience in your mind to where that it occurred in a different way that would now help you to reinforce a belief that you are worthy. You are good enough. And this work is, it's transformed my life. Yeah. It's so powerful. And I think even doing this specifically with memories around your body, if you're someone that's listening to this, who's specifically wanting to work on body image and wanting to love the way that you look now, um, But also like, it's okay to love the way that you look now and also have a vision for where you want to be. But again, Mm -hmm. it starts from this place of self-acceptance because that's where you can start to take those loving actions towards yourself. So 
figuring out maybe like the worthiness around your body and like the beliefs that you've held around your body and where those memories first started. Like Lindsay was sharing her witnessing her mom speaking poorly about the way her body looks. And maybe you've had an instance where someone commented on your body or you didn't feel lovable or that you fit in because of the way that you looked. So writing down those memories and doing this work with those memories could be really, really powerful in Mm -hmm helping you specifically with body image and something that completely like changed the way that I viewed these techniques that Lindsay has shared is the understanding of the fact that memories only exist within us right now and the way that we interpret them. So you might be telling yourself, oh, I can't change what happened to me in the past, but that isn't occurring anywhere else, but within you Mm -hmm. right now in this moment. So if you can change and practice the way that you interpret those memories, the memories themselves, then you can literally change the way that you feel about yourself and the way that you view your body, the way that you view your life. And it's, it's so cool to recognize that that memory isn't existing somewhere else. It's, it's inside of you. Everything's now, Mm -hmm. everything's in this moment, right? And as we change the past, we change the future. And then there's also a concept in quantum physics we could talk about in another episode, but it's called <laughs> retrocausality, which is how the future can actually change the present and the past. Wow. Yeah. I want to hear all of it. We'll go dive into it. <laughs> no, but it's like literally, if you can think about everything is happening now. So that five-year-old version of you that had this painful memory of something around your body, let's say that it was never dealt with, it was never looked at, it was never processed. There's still that version of you right now in this moment, having that, mm. having that feeling. And so I would say this is this is the healing work of whatever it is that you're wanting to work with, whether it's relationships or your body or career, financial, whatever. This is at the crux of it is understanding those moments in time that created these deeply triggering beliefs that guide 95% of your life. And the awareness of them with love and a new perspective is actually how we shift anything in our lives. Yeah. That's the magic. Like we literally just gave you the keys to the magic <laughs> formula. Of Don't overlook life. it. Take it <laughs> in. And yeah, if you guys are wanting more specifics on these techniques, I know we talked about so much in this episode and that's because the truth is that body image issues are really a cover for deeper issues that mm-hmm. we hold. And like, like we said in the beginning, the obsession with the food and the fitness, it's not actually the problem. Yeah. And so if you can start to ask yourself these important questions about worthiness that we listed, we'll, we'll put some of the journal prompts in the show notes so that you guys can start to do this work, but also really getting inquisitive with yourself about a vision for your life mm-hmm. where you feel free from these body image issues and where you feel really fulfilled and yes. starting to visualize that what are you doing if you are fulfilled what are you doing if you're not constantly worrying about the gym and what you're going to eat where is your focus going mm-hmm. and understanding that we can nourish ourselves in other ways than just food and just over-exercising. We can nourish ourselves through pursuing our passions, through doing things that we love, through enjoying our lives in different ways. And 
don't underestimate your ability to completely shift out of these obsessive patterns by shifting your focus to the thing that your soul really wants to focus on. Yeah. And, and the journal prompt too is like, who would I be without these thoughts? Mm. Who would I be without these obsessions? Who would I be without this controlling so much of my life? And if I continue to do this, what is it that I'm going to miss out on? Or what am I going to lose by continuing to hold on to this? And just being honest with yourself and, and realize you have the power within you yeah, to have a life that's peaceful and balanced and all the things, not to say you won't struggle. We still have stuff, right? It's like, oh yeah, we were just talking about it this morning. It's, it's constantly showing up at the moments in my life where I start to experience these heavier emotions. I want to jump to focus on my body because that's Mm -hmm. the easiest thing for me to focus on. And it's, we're in this together where we are unlearning these collective beliefs together and we're finding a new way. And if you're listening to this, chances are that you are a leader in this area and you are really wanting to pave your own path to being able to have the body that you want without having, without having to be struggling all of the time. And that's possible. We are working on this together and you don't have to be perfect with it, but just know that that is possible for you. Yeah. And and just remember your body, your cells are listening to everything you say about Mm -hmm. yourself. And most importantly, they're listening to everything that you say about other people Mm -hmm. because the subconscious does not know there are other people. Whatever you're saying it's your, they're eavesdropping on whatever you're saying. Your body is <laughs> each and every cell is listening. So say things that are constructive and positive and say it the way you want it to be. Yeah. Just start, start being a little delusional. Don't give so much credit to what you see in the mirror because it's old energy and start creating. My body is beautiful. My metabolism is fast. Every cell is working in harmony and sync with one another all the weight that I'm carrying, it's emotional. It's releasing. I'm allowing it to release from my body. Yeah. I don't need to carry this weight as a protective mechanism anymore. I can let it go. The self-talk, the soothing of what you're saying, don't underestimate the power of, of your words. Yeah. And we'll be talking a lot about that. Just like the way that you can start to communicate with your cells and your body Mm-hmm. for physical healing and for really everything that you want. It's really, really powerful work. Yes. You know, this is a really important and special topic because we both have struggled so much with it and we know how it feels to be caught in that space and that mindset. But just know that this has been our experience. We want to empower you to know that no matter where you are in your body journey, that you have the ability to free yourself from that. And whatever path you take to get there is beautiful. Um, But ultimately, at the end of the day, we hope you took from this that self-love is where it's at. 100%. Well, thank you guys so much for listening and we will include a lot of resources in the show notes because this is just such a huge topic and we want to leave you guys with tools that you can use to start on this journey and to live a more free and expansive life. So thank you so much and we'll see you next week. See you next week.